I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And a very warm welcome. This is the Motormouth Podcast with myself, Harry Benjamin, and Tim Sylvie, where in each show we sit down with a figure from the world of motorsports and dive into how exactly they ended up where they are now. F1 champions, team principals, Formula E and touring car stars. If there's anyone with a story to tell, they'll usually tell it right here. Motormouth is an app and website where you can catch up with all the latest F1 gossip at motormouth.club and view live timings across a race weekend with our app. We're also proud to be partnered with the Brain Tumor Charity, helping to raise awareness and help find a cure through events like our annual karting race, where you can go head-to-head against professional drivers, all to raise vital funds. For more info, check out motormouthkartrace.com. This podcast is brought to you by F1 Experiences, the official experience, hospitality and travel program of Formula One. F1 Experiences is the closest you can get to the pinnacle of motorsport. And let's face it, any chance to get close to Formula One, we're all over it. Enjoy the very best race tickets and track hospitality, first-class hotels and unprecedented access you simply cannot get anywhere else. For more information on how you can book your F1 experience, visit f1experiences.com where you can also save 5% on your very own F1 experiences package by using the code MM11F1E when checking out online. So, what are you waiting for? Experience the 2022 F1 season firsthand with exclusive access courtesy of F1 experiences. Get booking today at f1experiences.com. Hello, Tim Sylvie here. Now, today's guest hails from Berkshire in the UK. Now, Harry, Berkshire is obviously home to lovely Windsor, and Windsor is famous for its royal residences and Windsor Castle, which has featured very heavily on the news over the last few weeks because of the Platinum Jubilee for the Queen. So I thought I'd test you on some of your royal knowledge this week. I feel like you'd be all right at this. So I've got two for you. Number one, what are the names of Prince Andrew's daughters? Do you want some clues or some options? Uh, No, isn't it Beatrice? And... Oh, what's the other one? Oh, what's, uh, did you say you had a clue? Well, I can give you options. 
I'll give you an option then. <laughs> so it's, it's, is it A, Beatrice and Eugenie? Eugenie, that's it. I knew it was a weird name. Yeah. 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 Um, and Beatrice was also the name of Queen Victoria's youngest daughter. So well done. I'll give you a point for that one. Another one. Let's do a sport-based one. Which royal couple used to present the Wimbledon tennis trophies each year? Uh, uh, it wasn't Charles and Camilla. It was, well, let me give you the options. Or was it Charles and Diana? Oh. It's it. A, the Earl and Countess of Wessex. B, the Duke and Duchess of Gloucester. C, the Duke and Duchess of York. Or D, the Duke and Duchess of Kent. I've got no idea who any of those people are. I haven't so, either, to be Wessex. fair with you. Uh, absolutely wrong. It's the Duke and Duchess of Kent. Um, and actually, the Duchess of Kent broke with royal protocol one year when she hugged Jan and Avotna. She's probably before you. Do you remember Jan and Avotna? I remember her. That's sad. Um, no, no. She finished runner-up well, one year and was crying so hard with disappointment that the Duchess of Kent broke protocol and gave her a big cuddle. Oh, isn't that lovely? Yeah, so well done. One out of two, you're getting better. In fact, that's the, probably yeah, the first better. question you've got right in about 55 episodes, so well done you. Yeah, usually I Google them really quickly. Do so. you? You cheeky yeah. bugger. Didn't know yeah. that. Um, anyway, how are you? Any news? How's the flat? Yes, all House. good. All very well, thank you. Um, I'm trying to get... I'm obsessed at the moment with getting my 10,000 steps in because I've realised I really... Sometimes you just can't do that. So now I don't know why it's 10,000, but I've been trying to do that. I'm on 6,500 at the moment, so I've got a... Halfway, you know, just over halfway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Apart from that, that's where my life is at. Well, you, your, your <laughs> steps are a lot long. Your steps are bigger than most people's steps, so you could count them as double. You know what? I will do that. We're on twelve and a half thousand. Yeah. Well do- done. Job done. <laughs> job done. Well done, you. Um, anyway, we're we're pushed for time this week, so should we get on and introduce today's guest? I think so. Let's do it. So, at the time of recording, we've just had the twenty-four hours of Le Mans, and uh, as everyone knows, it's one of the greatest races on the planet. So, we're very excited to have someone who uh, completed the race very recently, and he's with us today. We're catching him fresh off the back of it to get his immediate emotions and reactions. Phil Hansen is an endurance sports car star. In 2020, he became the first driver to win the FIA World Endurance Championship, European Le Mans Series, and the Le Mans 24-hour LMP2 class all in the same year. He's the youngest driver to ever win uh, the WEC title and the youngest British driver to win LMP2 at Le Mans. He was the youngest Asian Le Mans Series LMP3 champion and the youngest European Le Mans Series outright race winner and youngest outright Asian Le Mans championship winner. He's a BRDC superstar. He's counted Fernando Alonso as a teammate and is currently plying his trade with Zach Brown's United Autosport. He's surely one of the biggest racing talents this country has ever produced. We're here to listen to his news, views, opinions and thoughts. Phil Hansen, with your incredible racing CV, welcome to the Motormouth podcast. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me, guys. It's, uh, it's an incredibly long uh, list of achievements already, oh, and you're so young, mate. So <laughs> thank you for taking the time. Uh, now, we will, um, for those, I'm sure many of our, our listeners have, have watched uh, Le Mans over the weekend, so we'll know what we end up talking about. We won't go straight into that just yet. We'll spare you from that for the minute. But we'll start, as we do with all of our shows, just finding out a bit more about you and how it all began, really. Where did the bug for racing come from? Was it in the family? Did you just watch it on telly? How did it all start? Um, it wasn't the family. Um, my dad's driving is a testament to that. He's definitely not the best <laughs> driver on the road um, and not the fastest. Um, but yeah, I think like most people in motorsport, it's just from the moment you I, oh, I sat in a go-kart the first time. Um, for me, it was quite late. I think I started, you know, really properly racing karts at, at 14, 15, which is really late for, for the sport. Um, with kids nowadays starting at anywhere between three and eight um, you start probably racing them at like eight, but um, you know, 
modern day racing drivers have their claim to fame that they've been in a go-kart as, as young as three. So, um, yeah, I started really late and from, up from that point onwards, it's been, uh, it's been nothing but racing for me. Was it ever, was it always going to be sports car racing and endurance racing or, or, or when you started out, did you think, well, Formula One's the goal or, or perhaps it was just a little bit too late by then? Yeah, I think it was, it was a combination of, of being in, in the, different side of the motorsport paddock early on. Uh, a lot of people go to single-seaters, fresh out of karting, and we, we jumped into sports cars straight away. Um, and then once we got kind of sucked into this this um, ladder of racing, you know, there's a, its own LMP3, LMP2, LMP1, the GT stuff, uh, you know, in, in, intertwined and mixed into all that. Um, at that point, then it was kind of too late ever to look at F1, but um, it wasn't really ever on our radar. From the moment we started racing, Le Mans was always the big one for us. Um, and even when I was racing cars, I was doing uh, the world championship in that engine category that we were racing in. And it was actually held at Le Mans. So um, I remember walking out the back of the pits, the car paddock, and it was it was in a corner complex called Karting, obviously because the car track was right next to it. Um, so yeah, Le Mans always been the goal. What an, an amazing uh, achievement. So Le Mans was the goal to, to getting there and, and what what's the ladder in sports car racing can you talk us through how how you progressed up so from go-karting where did you go after that and, and sort of what were the steps because everyone it's quite well documented sort of the single seater route but maybe the sports car one isn't so yeah i mean most people that race sports cars do do single seaters it's very rough for people not to like me um we jumped straight into gt racing we did all our testing in like a gt4 car and and various other things and i started immediately racing at club level in the uk in uh, a GT3 car um, and then a Euro GT3 car, um, but with the, with the team that was was family running and well outside its depths, um, so we were struggling quite a lot um, in a car that was quite uncompetitive, um, and we found ourselves in the paddock of the European Le Mans Series as a support series, um, which is now you know one of the most competitive championships um, in sports car racing in the world, um, and we then jumped straight into LMP3 um, over a winter series in, in Asia. Um, not really expecting to win, but when we did win, you, you got a Le Mans entry um, in LMP2. So it, it kind of it gave us no other option apart from to, to use that Le Mans entry and, and race Le Mans um, with that team. Um, we, we kind of were nowhere in that first year racing with, with this team that was you know, inexperienced, to say the least, um, in those GT racing. So when they were racing LMP2 at Le Mans, they were you know, very outside their depths. And um, but from that point onwards, we kind of had sussed out what teams were good um, and began a relationship with United in uh, 20, uh, well, halfway through 2017 and 2018. And I've been with United since um, and progressed from early year in 2018, parts of 2019 as a silver, and then now as a gold rated driver for the last two and a half years. How did that opportunity with United Autosports come along? Because they're a, they're a very well-known outfit. Zach Brown's involved. How does one go about getting in touch with a team like that? Or did they come to you? It was it was kind of fortunate because we were we were already at that time racing in a, in a, in a car called the Ligier. Um, and there was, there's four manufacturers in LMP2 that you could run. Um, and early on, you could run different manufacturers. There was Talara, Ligier, and Orica were the, were the main manufacturers. Um, at the time, a lot of teams, a lot of the good teams weren't running Oricas, um, and the Orica cars were winning. Um, they, were, they were the fastest cars, the best design, and they had a performance advantage. 
Um, and when we kind of stopped racing with this inexperienced team, um, top with motorsports, um, we were racing Ligier and the only other team that was really racing Ligier was United. Um, and at the time there was a, a Joker upgrade for Ligier's, um, to be able to close that gap to the Oracles. And Ligier were beginning to test, um, and do these development stuff with the diff and United were running that development. Um, so it made sense for me to, to do that testing with them and um, be part of that like development process. Um, and alongside that, we began we began our uh, relationship with United, um, and, and then it made sense. And what's Zach Brown like? Because he's he's a proper racer. He loves his racing. He's all over the globe doing it. Yeah, and it's funny, you know. Sometimes he's actually not at the F1 races because he's taking part himself in some of the historic stuff out in, out in the states. Um, he's a great guy, but it's it's co it's co-owned by Zach Brown and Richard Dean. Richard Dean's the more hands-on person. I'd say, you know, um, Zach Brown. Um, obviously, Zach's done wonders with with McLaren since he's been there, and and now they're you know doing a great job in IndyCar as well, and they've just launched their Extreme E stuff. Um, so it seems whatever he touches kind of tends to gold at the moment. Um, United's been through you know a long four years of of racing. Um, pretty heavily in, in the LMS and, and WEC. Um, but when United moved to Oracus, that's when we started seeing the the success. And that, in 2020 specifically, that's when we had our, our run of, of fortune and everything seemed to go right. Yeah, I mean, um, It's been a bit more tricky since we finished second in the LMS and the last two Le Mans haven't gone well. Yeah, we're, so we'll, least, uh, um, we'll, we've, we've always been We'll come on to uh, your most recent Le Mans, but let, let's talk success first. Let's talk 2020. And considering you started your racing career so late, it makes this, that year, all the more extraordinary. Take us through your multiple highlights that year. Um, yeah, I mean, well, we started off at Silverstone with a DNF straight off the bat, which wasn't great. One lap into the race and we had, a, um, I think, an ECU shutdown or something that caught, took us straight out of the race. Um, but as that WEC championship went on, we were hit by covid um, so it was delayed. So it was it was meant to be a, a sort of season that started in 2018 and started and ended in 20, uh, 2019 and ended in 2020, but we nearly ended um, into 2021. Um, we had like three races where there was a lot of teething issues with the car. Um, really unfortunate things were happening. You know, we had a race in Shanghai where um, the vinyl that we have with the United sticker above the windscreen somehow came off and we never have ever seen these issues before. Went straight into the the, you know, where the air goes in for the engine, um, cracked that carbon. Um, so the, you know, the air that's kind of pressurized because of the speed you're going into that sucks into the engine wasn't really efficient. So then the car was running really rich. So we were down on power. We had all these crazy things in Japan. Duct tape we had, would have sorted that though. Yeah. Well, at the time you can't really duct tape it. It's <laughs> um, yeah. So we had all these things and then we had a run of straight victories. We kind of won I think, four races in a row. And it was actually, we won three races in a row heading into Le Mans. And we're thinking, God, like, this is too good to be true. There's no way we all win Le Mans as well. And then we got to Le Mans and, and, and dominated um, that year. Um, and yeah, can consistently have been at the front since, just not managed to get the, the results because of various um, issues. You know, luck is opportunity meeting um, preparation. And we, we've had preparation and we've been there, but we, we haven't quite run across the opportunity. 
Well, let's talk about um, Le Mans 2022 then, because it's just happened last weekend. We've beaten around the bush long enough. And because clearly, you know, and United have seen the talent that you are and and you've risen up the ranks, not only with them, but through the classes. And as you were saying, you know, working up um, the driver rankings as well in in endurance sports. But, well, um, didn't even make it to turn one, unfortunately, uh, on that one of a 24-hour race in the gravel is not where you want to be. Talk us through what happened from your point of view, because uh, from the replays, it just looked like, well, it wasn't your fault at all. Yeah, the six seconds of Le Mans, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> uh, the other guys didn't get the memo that it was a 24-hour race, apparently. Um, yeah, I mean, it was just... What a what a shitter, really. I can't yeah. lie. I don't how, really know how to put it. How do you then, because you did, you got back into the race, albeit you were, you were three laps down and, and it was very much a case of just salvaging whatever could, whatever was possible. And it was a fairly quiet Le Mans race, actually, in terms of, you know, previous ones. There weren't that many safety yeah. cars. There weren't I that know, many. Just our luck. <laughs> I know, exactly. So, so how do you keep that motivation in you when you know that, well... A lot of things have got to go wrong for other people for you to even try and get back in with a chance, and you're not in you out even before turn one. How do you keep that motivation to go to go back and do it again? I mean, part of me um, was thinking we had such a fast car, and we had it in testing, and we we didn't somehow didn't maximize it in qualifying. We were really out qualified, but the race pace of the car was phenomenal. Um, in the night, I was in the practice it was really, really, really fast and couldn't quite work out why or how everyone had just slowed up or why I had gone so much quicker. Um, so we were looking, I was feeling confident that we would be able to come back and with cars dropping out of the race with issues and safety cars, for sure, maybe we'll be in the top 10. Um, and like you said, it was a real quiet Le Mans, just our luck. Um, I mean, we don't want to wish, you know, bad things to happen on, onto anyone else, but kind of was expecting something. A quick interruption to the show to remind you to check out our sponsor, F1 Experiences. F1 Experiences offer a wide range of packages that come direct from Formula One, giving you a unique experience of the pinnacle of motorsports. Official ticket packages come with the very best race tickets, first-class hotels and transfers, and unprecedented access, including track tours, pit lane walks, VIP hospitality, and loads more. It really is the closest you can get to Formula One. And Motormouth listeners can save 5% on your next F1 Experiences package by using the code MM11F1E when booking online at f1experiences.com. There could have been something. <laughs> something could have it's happened just, to help yeah, you out. One. I mean, um, sad, I, mean unfor- I say unfortunately, the car that was at fault and hit us that got a penalty did crash on their own accord. Um, and I, I think I did come across the radio and say that was karma. Yeah. Um, I can't lie. I can't lie. That, that that's natural instinct. But I mean, it's racing at the end of the day, so I wouldn't want to. That could have been me too. Um, so it was kind of sad to see someone crash, especially when when it's uh, when it's a twenty four hour race. But yeah, um, we were three laps down. We had some damage, um, which is the worst part because in in these moments you think, well, even if you're out the race even so early on, we'll still be able to put some lap times in and we'll, we'll just change it into like the competition to see if we can reach, get the fastest lap, fastest 10 average, fastest 10 lap averages. This is the sort of stuff that a driver will look at at the end of the race and think, yeah, I've done a good job. But what everyone didn't see is, is we, in that, in that contact, we damaged the side of the car and the floor. And like the conversations in F1 recently, same thing happens at Le Mans with the long straights. If you damage the floor, 
pretty much nowhere. Um, we were losing somewhat nearly close to a second a lap, um, which people didn't really understand. Um, so although we were able to change the front end, which was took the brunt of the, the impact of the start, a lot of the other damage would have taken far too long to repair. Um, we would have lost, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes in the pits. So it made sense just to continue, even though we were kind of bleeding lap time. Um, but with that being said, we were still quite strong. We were kind of in the mix of the other cars, um, even having this massive deficit on the straights. Um, but it was it was a, it was a real mental um, struggle to to be able to fight other cars, seeing on the straight the the deficit. You know, being in the turban of the car, and as they're slowly pulling away, it's demoralizing. I can't lie. Yeah, it must be very hard to keep keep your chin up in that scenario, particularly when. It- Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It was so out of your hands and there's nothing you can yeah. do about it. And then to have that damage and know that your car is not performing as it should must be hugely, hugely frustrating. Um, yeah. can, can you try and describe for us, because Le Mans is a, such a unique race and racing at nighttime at those ridiculous speeds. Can you try and convey the, the emotions and the um, sort of visceral feelings that you get when you're racing in the dark, not just alongside cars in your own category, but cars in other categories as well that might be a lot quicker or a lot slower than you. It must be a very intimidating experience. Yeah, and obviously in testing, we get opened up to um, the, the night race and we have two night sessions. So we're able to start picking up reference points and things change. Um, and when you jump in in the race, I had uh, a stint, I think, from about 4 a.m. I actually did it into the night and then a 4 a.m. stint. Um, and everything changes you start having to drive off of reference points rather than feeling so there's obviously very little light at Le Mans um it's one of the darkest circuits you race at um and you're having to pick up marker boards for meters to the apex little reflecting um panels that they put on curbs and things that you know you use um but the difficulty comes when you're racing other cars which you don't really necessarily experience as much in the testing because you're quite often backing out to get clear laps to make sure that you, you can get a good read on the balance and, and good read of lap time so you know where you are. But in the race, with all the cars, you know, kind of being around you and having to pass you, you don't realise until you get there how difficult it is with the headlights and things like this because you genuinely can't gauge if someone's a car length behind or 10 car lengths behind because your mirrors are just full of a glare. Um, so it becomes racing at the NMP2 is very difficult because you have to have a lot of faith that they're not suddenly up the inside of you. Um, so there's that bit of experience knowing how good your exit was. Did I make a mistake? Are they likely to have towed up behind me in my car? In this instance at Le Mans, there was a lot of questioning, you know, has he towed up alongside me right now? 
um, because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm like a parachute on the straight at the moment. Um, and then also racing other classes, you have GTs. Um, it becomes a lot easier to pass GTs because you can almost um, intimidate them in the braking zone, flashing them in the middle of the corner. They'll hesitate. They might not turn in because they're worried about the same aspect and they'll open the door for you. Um, whilst that in the day, they'll often block you because um, there's certain corners where we might actually hold them up at the apex, um, given that we're we're not as fast as we used to be in previous years. Um so yeah, everything sort of changes, um, but you'd have to learn. You have to learn on the go, and you have to adapt quickly. Um, and there's not the room anymore for like one or two laps to get into it. You have to get into it straight away. You're, you know, you could. Although we weren't fighting for a victory, we we're still pushing as if we were. So your outlap has to be strong. Um, your first corner has to be strong. Um, and people don't often realize that when we when I wake up and I'm I'm ready to stint before I get in the car, just in case they have to stop early for a puncture or whatever. Um, we don't just get in the car and then go. The process of getting in the car itself is, is very chaotic. It's a three, two, one sprint, get in the car as quickly as possible, two up the belts in, in within 20 seconds whilst the fuel's going in, whilst the tires are going in. So it's not like you can leisurely build up to it. It's from the moment the car's stopped in the pit box, it's, it's just full adrenaline, max heart rate kind of jumping in the car. You can't just amble in, Sunday yeah. drive, flick the door open. After you, yeah. mate, you get out. Let me just slot a leg in. Oh, hang on. I forgot my water bottle. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the driver getting out has got no issues because if, ta- if he knocks a seatbelt down or struggles to get his insert out, it's going to make you even more rushed. Your belts aren't going to be tight. Um, although, regulationally speaking, every, all the belts must be tight before leaving the pit box. That's not the reality in practice. You are tight in the air. I imagine go. you practice that change as much as you yeah. can. We do. We do a lot of change. And because the driver lineup is the same as throughout the start of WEC, you get better throughout the year. Um, and my teammates and have all raced and have a lot of experience, especially the silver in the car, Willow. And he, um, he's, this was his fifth Le Mans. So he was very, we were all very good in, in pit stops, which is a relief because the last thing you want to be doing is, is getting in a tiny bit more rush than having a twisted belt or a belt off your hands device. And, you know, you have to send it and, and go out and, and try and manage um, you do your best you can to tighten all the belts in the pit box or down the pit lane, but then once you're out, you're out. Mm, it, it's a mega operation, isn't it? And I suppose, well, in, in this season, three more races left. Uh, Monza up next. Um, short term and long term, what, what are you hoping uh, for the rest of this season? And then going forward more long term, future in sports cars, w- what are you hoping for out of that? Of course, the World Endurance Championship's sort of changing quite a lot in the, in the next uh, year or so with hypercars and, and the GT pro category and things like that will all change. So there's a lot going on at the moment. Yeah, it is. Um, I mean, short term, the rest of this year, it, it does feel like the championship's over for us um, in terms of points. To lose out at Le Mans like we did um, was, was, was a big loss because we haven't had exactly the best start of the season. Um, we were leading in... in uh, the first round in, in uh, Sebring, it all went wrong for us. We finished seventh. And then in Spa, I actually made a mistake. I got, I got in a kind of third, um, got us up to second, but it was a, a drying track and we were on slicks. And I actually spun, putting us down to fourth. And then with the strategy playing out, we ended up fifth. Um, so a seventh, a fifth, and a tenth isn't exactly um, competitive, given that we've had um, the equivalent of two, three, four and a half points worth of races um, because Le Mans double points um, and Sebring was one and a half. So definitely not the strongest start and there's not many points to be recouped 
for the rest of the season. There's another one and a half because there's a 10 hour race and the other two are six hours. Um, so yeah, there's not enough points at the table really to come back and, and win the championship in, in all honesty. I think mathematically, yes, but you're having to wish a lot of bad luck on, on, on other competitors and too many competitors can, can still be there at the end. So um, it's unrealistic. But that being said, we, we're probably going to still go out and be even more hungry to win because we have nothing to lose at this moment. And, um, you know, we want to show what could have been. Um, I think at all the rounds we've been there and all the testing we've been there and all the qualifying we've been there, but we haven't managed to convert that into any results. And I think when you look back through, you can kind of see what went wrong at each race. Um, and a lot of it has been out of our control, like at Le Mans, taken out before the first corner. There's not much we could have done there. No, hugely frustrating. Um, and looking a bit more long-term, as Harry mentions, the regulations are changing, the cars are changing quite dramatically. What's your future in the sport? Is, th- is this you now? Is this is this the path you want to take? Or is there other series and championships that you want to tackle in the future? Yeah, long-term, this is definitely what I want to do. Um, Hypercar is obviously growing. Um, 2023 and 2024 will be when it reaches its kind of max capacity with all the manufacturers back into it. And that's um, that's my ambition at the moment to, to get myself a seat with a manufacturer um, in hypercar and be able to, to compete for outright victories at Le Mans. Um, a lot of drivers have the same goals. So it's, it's a very, um, you know, it's a, it's a pretty tough world in motorsport to try and get yourself into these right seats, especially when there's, there's such a limited number of them and a lot of good drivers out there. Um, but I'm confident I can uh, I can be one of the people um, that will will get a seat. It's just a question of timing and, and politics, and making sure that I'm I'm I've got the right relations with the right people when it matters. Um, there's a lot of manufacturers out there with junior programs and with affiliations with teams, um, so they they likely take drivers ready with those teams. Um, but also for United Old Sports, the team I race for in LMP2. They've um, they haven't had any any luck with manufacturers, even though they're definitely one of the best teams in in the sport. Um, and you know the way they run is is unbelievably professional. Um, the infrastructure they have with uh, with the, the staff and the personnel they have in the team is is next to none. Um, you know, it's the, probably one of the best in in the sport. So um, I'm also holding out for United to get a manufacturer role. Um, quite often in these scenarios, manufacturers kind of subcontract their programs out to teams that already exist. Um, and I think you hear rumors in the paddock of different teams getting different manufacturing um, sort of affiliations. Um, so I'm, I'm also hoping that United will uh, will get a manufacturer um, support for them to do hypercar um, in the coming years. That, that would be epic, wouldn't it? And, and it, I think it highlights just how how exciting the world, how, well, not just the World Endurance Championship, but endurance racing is at the moment and is going to be for the next few years with this influx of manufacturers and cutting edge technology. You know, everybody wants a seat at that table, but even so, I mean, what a, what a paddock to be a part of in the next few years too. Uh, clear, clearly you're, you're very good at racing. We know that. Have you got any other hidden talents that we might not know about? Um, I wouldn't say hidden talents. Uh, <laughs> I'm quite into my fitness. I enjoy my CrossFit and things like this. I think that's kind of my reputation in the paddock. Um, so me and my 10,000 steps is nothing on a bit of uh, forget it. I've, Harry I've, I've seen his Instagram channel this man has has a washboard stomach that I'm immensely <laughs> immensely envious about so I, I get the yeah, fitness I, thing I get a bit of shtick from it sometimes from the other drivers but it's, it's all in good humour um, but it plays off you know like at Le Mans um, I'm, I'm, I'm not not trying to be fit enough for the whole year of racing in the 6 hours and the 10 hour races 
Um, and then, you know, find Le Mans tough. I want to be fit enough that I breeze through those races and then Le Mans isn't a challenge anymore for me. Mm. That's my ambition because I think if I can get to that level of fitness where a lot of drivers aren't, um, there's going to be a, a you know, a, like a, there's going to be a physical gain um, in terms of my performance actually driving. Um, so I'm conscious of that and conscious about my weight and how that impacts everything. So, um, yeah, I guess that it's not really, a, a, I wouldn't say it's like a talent, but it's a, a hobby that I take quite seriously. So, so how often uh, how often do you work out every day? Um, I, I do a three day, then one active rest, and two day, then one full rest. Yeah, so um, a seven day split. That's pretty intense. Yeah, it sounds about the same. Same as me, really. Yeah, um, yeah. And then on the normal days, I do two sessions a day. Um, one yeah, just yeah. purely cardio and then one CrossFit. Totally on board with that. I mean, that's, it, it does just sound like your your regime, Harry, to be honest. I'm more of a three-day, uh, three three workout session a day, really. But really? You know, not yeah. everybody not everybody can keep up with that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> please, please tell me there's something you're crap at. <laughs> Something awful. It's got to be something te- you're just like singing, cooking, something. Oh, there's a lot of stuff I'm bad at. Singing, uh, you never get me to sing. Um, 100%. <laughs> um, there's a lot of things I'm, I'm, I'm not good at. And that's why, you know, motorsport seems to be the one the one for me. Yeah, stick, we'll, stick we'll with motorsport. We'll take that. Stick with racing and, and, and your push-ups and you'll be fine. Um, now, yeah. before we come on to our final three questions, which we ask all of our guests, if you could go back and, and speak to your past self um, as you're getting started there in your carts, is there anything you could say to yourself that you'd do differently or are you happy with the way things have panned out? I think I would always want to be better at certain points in my past and not make mistakes or learn quicker. Um Ultimately, I would have just tried to flood my old self with my younger self with as much information as possible on how to be quicker or earlier. Um, all the little gimmicks I've learned, um, personal hurdles I've, I've tackled um, have been really important. Um, so I would have just kind of tried to fast track my, my progress, even though, you know, it hasn't really been a slow, slow process at all. But, you know, it would have been nice to have, to have won two world championships at this point. You know, I, you know, I'm greedy. I'm a, I'm a, I mean, I'm in a competitive sport, um, so I'm definitely not on the the side of of taking it slow. Um, but yeah, nothing nothing that jumps out. Um, probably just say everything that I've I've learned over the last sort of five years in racing, um, at this level. Um, and I guess if I learned it earlier, I might have learned the next lessons also earlier. Things I haven't even learned at this point yet. Um, but I'm I'm still growing. Like I'm I'm, I'm only 22, so there's there's still a lot more in me. Yeah. Um, and I'm excited to see what what else I'm, I'm able to pick up on in the coming years. It's got to be one of the shortest spans of time that anyone has recorded in terms of picking up racing to winning Le Mans. There can't be that many people that have started as late as you that have gone on to win Le Mans so quickly. And the, you know, that list of accolades that you read out at the start, it was quite impressive, but I think we might be able to find one more, maybe this one, um, <laughs> maybe to add to it. I think there was once a, a karting article in a karting magazine, which was... Um, like Wilton Mill Club champion, as I noticed in the background, yes, yeah. to Le Mans, um, Le Mans in, I think it was a couple of years or something. Um, I know, yeah. Um, uh, there's obviously loads of drivers in the world, so I don't want to say it's the fastest rise up to, to maybe winning Le Mans, but um, I'm sure it's it's definitely up there. It can't it's be made. Cer- it's certainly up. impressive. We'll have to do a bit of digging on that one yeah. and see if we can uh, find the stats on that. I don't think it'll be the one that would roll off the tongue that well. No. Try to <laughs> come in karting and win Le Mans in the shortest time. Yeah, I don't really, think. really quickly. Smooth. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> well, I think it's time then uh, for our final three questions, uh, Phil, because we've kept you long enough. Uh, brought to you by our partners at F1 Experiences. Tim, do you want to kick off? Sure. Uh, Phil, what's got you excited at this very moment? 
about anything or yeah, anything you want. Oh, I mean, honestly, it was eating all the food that I wasn't able to eat because I've just finished them on. <laughs> I can't lie. <laughs> I lie. Loads of dessert and loads of burgers and everything. <laughs> Does it take uh, a while to recover from like just the sleep deprivation or are you pretty, pretty back on it? I'm going to get back on it this evening, um, but a couple of days off and eating whatever I wanted was was definitely nice. I burned 6,000 calories at Le Mans over the, the kind of, it's, I say 24 hours, but it's not 24 hours because you wake up the morning of the race doesn't start till four and you don't go to sleep at the end of the race. So it's mm-hmm. kind of two days. That's a, well... I, I don't think I've like a lame answer, really, the food part. But I no, think... I well, when you're when you're day when you're an athlete, so food becomes you know certainly something you cherish. I, I, I imagine. Um, same for me. When I can, when I burn six thousand calories a day, um, I'm always straight straight back. To have the food. you burned six thousand calories in your life? I have walked six thousand steps today. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Calorie a step, and you'll be there. Exactly. Um, right. How much uh, success, uh, Phil, of your success? Uh, do you think is down to luck uh, and right place, right time? And uh, how much do you think is down to just other things like sheer hard work and, and putting yourself out there? Oh, difficult one. I think definitely the bulk is the hard work and um, yeah, determination, sacrifice, all that sort of good stuff. That, um, that does result in success, but that you need opportunity. Without the opportunity, you, you'll never have the results. Um, I wouldn't say it's luck, but yeah, like I said, when kind of hard work and preparation meets opportunities, when you get the results. Yeah. Um, we had all the opportunity in 2020. We've had it this year, but even though the hard work has gone into it, we weren't given the opportunity, for example, at Le Mans. Um, it's kind of a what could have been story um, so far this year and parts of last year. Um, but because the hard work's always there, when we do get given the opportunity, we are winning races or um, challenging for wins. So I'd say you can't have um, one without the other, um, but you you definitely need the hard work. And maybe even without the opportunity, if there's hard work, sometimes you'll get the result. Now, final question for you before we let you get on with your afternoon. What are you scared of? Oh, probably snakes. Honestly, I can't lie. I really don't like snakes. Um, there's not a lot that I'm scared of. I'm, I'm quite, like I said, I'm quite a competitive guy. So um, peer pressure really does work on me. I can't lie. <laughs> um, yeah, if my friends are jumping off a building, I'm probably jumping off too. Um, but yeah, snakes, honestly, I don't know why. Something about them slithering, it just creeps me out. Oh. Yeah, I'd rather a spider crawling up my arm than a snake oh, no. sort of, like, rolling up no. my arm. I don't know about you guys, but snakes really creep me out. Yeah, as well. And then if you put snakes alongside peer pressure, that's an absolute recipe for disaster. Yeah, right honestly. There. That would be, that would suck. I, I, yeah. <laughs> Just a bit. Yeah, if my friends were taking photos of the snakes around the neck, I would feel like so conflicted. What do I do? <laughs> I'd probably still do it. <laughs> Absolutely not the one. Well, I think we could all sympathise with you on that. Uh, Phil, we've uh, kept you long enough. Thank you so much for, for taking the time uh, to join us uh, on the podcast. It's been great getting to know a little bit more about you and then seeing your journey. And, and as you say, you're so young, there's still a hell of a lot more to do and go on to. So we can't wait to uh, to see what you get up to do. We'll be watching for sure. We'll have to get you back on uh, soon when uh, you, hopefully the next step uh, will be uh, to take the uh, World Endurance title as well once again. So uh, Phil Hanson, thank you so much for coming on to the Motor Mouth Podcast. Thanks a lot, guys.
If you've been listening to this and thinking, actually, I really want to go and experience a race for myself in person, why not do it in style at a Formula One Grand Prix thanks to F1 Experiences, the official experience, hospitality and travel program of Formula One. F1 Experiences really is the closest you can get to the sport. Official ticket packages, which include the best race tickets, first class hotels, travel and exclusive behind the scenes access across a Grand Prix weekend. F1 Experiences offer packages like no other. So to book your F1 Experiences package, head online to f1experiences.com and if you enter code MM11F1E, you'll get 5% off too. Thank you so much for listening to the Motormouth podcast. Do make sure you give us a follow on our socials, Twitter at Motormouth underscore, Instagram at Motormouth underscore official and Facebook, just search Motormouth. You can also download the Motormouth app where you can get exclusive video content from MMTV, create your own social profile to interact with other fans and check up on all the latest happenings with whatever motorsport takes your fancy. We're also proud to be supporting the Brain Tumor Charity too, so make sure you check the links in the podcast description to find out how you can help cure brain tumors quicker. Don't forget to like, subscribe and review. And until next time, you've been listening to the Motormouth Podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.